The programme which follows is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. You're listening to Very Loose Women. Good evening, listeners. I'm Leo, and you are listening to Very Loose Women. In the studio this evening, we have Freddie and Sarah behind the desk. Hi, guys. Hi. Thanks for engineering. Emma is actually ill tonight, my usual co-host, as you may know. She texted me saying that she is alone in a dark room with a headache. I'm actually skipping some details there, and you might be grateful for that. To compensate somewhat, we have... Two excellent guests this evening, Jonathan Rabour and Fiorella Lecouteau. So, hi guys. Hi. hi. Thanks so much to both of you for coming on the show. Johnny and Fio actually don't know each other. They met earlier this evening, but they actually have something quite significant in common, which is that they have both been volunteering and involved with grassroots volunteer groups around support for refugees in Europe, Jonathan in Jersey and Fiorella in Paris. So you've both volunteered, but in these very different contexts. So I wanted to have a discussion, kind of contrasting your experiences and talking about that. But before we get into this, I wanted to start with a twist on our usual gripe or mini celebration you can say a gripe or a mini celebration if you don't have what I'm about to say which is suspicion of the week and the reason I bring this up is because I just started so I've been hesitating for a while whether or not to do this master's in investigative journalism and I bit the bullet I think it's the wrong word for this but I, I went with it I'm doing one now and so it seems to be that you have to be suspicious about a lot of things so we on every Thursday we have this kind of patch day where we wander around Fulham and we're suspicious about stuff so the other day I saw a sign and I was like that seems a bit suspicious and it was about um, someone looking for mediums uh, in this uh, Brazilian religion uh, which could actually be perfectly fine but because we're trained to be a little bit suspicious that's what I've been doing this week so I was wondering if anyone has a suspicion or they're lacking a mini celebration or a gripe no? <laughs> really? <laughs> wow um. <laughs> Okay, well, <laughs> if I could find my bag, find so, my- someone's stolen Sarah's bag, so we have something. That is to- the gross. I'm very suspicious about that. Who no, did it I, and I, why? No, I've got a great suspicious kind of photos. It's okay. We don't need to be suspicious of anything. If I can also move on from that, on to to introduce tonight's topic, we're going to play a bit of a song that uh, Fio actually recommended earlier, "Chanson pour l'Auvergne." I should actually say that. It just so happens that we went to the same school, which was in France. So this is by Georges Brassens, Chanson pour l'Auvergne, and we're just going to play the last minute because there's a relevant line that we will discuss later. Les croquantes et les croquantes, tous les gens bien intentionnés riaient de me voir emmener. Ce n'était rien qu'un peu de miel, mais il m'avait chauffé le corps. So that was uh, Georges Brassens, Chanson pour l'Auvergne. As a French speaker, Theo, <laughs> maybe you could tell me, I mean, I accept that I'm also one, but maybe you could tell me a little bit about that song and why it came to mind earlier when I was like, shall I play MIA? I am playing MIA later, everyone. It's okay. 
Yeah. There is some. But I wanted to play this first because you have a bit of a connection to it. I really, really like that song because it has one really nice lyric, which is he's a man who's being taken away by the police. And he says thank you to the stranger who sort of smiled at him as he was being taken away compared to all the others who are sort of ignoring him. In terms of not looking away, I think that's really core to volunteering yeah. of just... I don't know if what I'm doing is helpful or if I'm, but I'm engaging with the issue, which yeah. is exactly what we're going to be talking about tonight. So I just thought it was a really great, great idea and a really nice, nice way into this topic. Maybe we could start with you, actually, Fio. So you were based in Paris for this, um, which is, if we're thinking about volunteering around the refugee crisis in France, we think of Calais. And so Paris isn't like the immediate environment for this. Mm. Can you tell me a bit about how you found the grassroots collective while you were there? Yeah, it's actually funny because I I moved back to Paris thinking that I could then easily go back to Calais. And then I arrived in Paris and I realized there's an enormous refugee crisis happening in the middle of the city. So there's lots to do there. Uh, So the group I sort of found is called uh, Collective Parisien de Soutien aux Exilés and it translates as Collective of Parisians who support the refugees and they're a sort of collective of just citizens uh, ranging from teachers to students uh, to anyone really and but more focused in the 19th and 18th neighborhood of Paris and they started helping out because refugees tend to set up camps around the area Uh, because there's the only asylum center, the asylum center is there. So they started seeing what was happening underneath underneath their window and come down and then they sort of met and decided to create a group to support them. So can you tell me a little bit about that day when it's formed? Because there's a story attached to it. Sort of last February, I think it's in February, it was International Women's Day. Refugees decided to camp underneath um, one of the metro lines because it was raining. There was a sort of a scuffle and as we soon realized, it was actually five women with three months old babies who were just sitting in the middle and who were refusing to leave while the police were telling them you cannot um, sort of occupy the space and sort of kettling them and not allowing any support to come from the outside. And the women were really angry because while they'd been given uh, housing solutions by the government because they were women, luckier than the men, they sort of had to change housing every evening and they would be texted at 6 p.m. and told, now you need to go to this address, which is at the other side of Paris. And it was sort of a really difficult way of life. And so they said that day, um, you know, we need permanent housing uh, and we're not leaving until we get it. And it's just so happened it was International Women's Day. And I thought that was interesting in comparison to my Facebook and everyone celebrating International Women's Day. So it was providing solidarity for women across yeah, the board. Exactly. How did you come across? So you were in the same area of Paris, but how did you actually, um, like, where was that step where you were like, oh, I need to get involved, I'm going to do yeah. this? Um, I heard a lot of calls out. They were saying um, it was the dead of winter. It was February. It was always raining, always cold. And there was a lot of call for food and blankets uh, for a lot of miners who were coming from Calais. This was at the period when Calais was getting dismantled. And so a lot of about maybe 20 people a day were arriving in Paris and just adding to the number of people camping outside. That day I just met a refugee who'd actually had his papers since a year. And we just became very good friends. And he was my age. And we loved reading and we just got in very well together and it just really hit me that he was my age and we were the same people person and I thought 
I had to help. And and what about the other people in the group? So you said like there was a range of ages, and they but they all lived in the same area of Paris. Was there? Did, was there like a core who knew each other first or did, was it really like higgledy-piggledy, like a kind of snowball effect? It was a kind of snowball effect. It started, it was really random. It was just neighbors who started helping because this was happening to them in their area. You could live in another neighborhood in Paris and not know this was happening. So this mm. is very localized. And as I said, just because there's this uh, asylum center there, that's why they sort of mm. congregate there. Yeah, it was mostly young working adults uh, who lived in that neighborhood uh, and then it's this happened at the same time as Nuit Debout in Paris, which was mm. a social movement on Place de la République. And sort of we used it as a platform. Suddenly people started wanting to open their homes to so welcome refugees. you were using Nuit Debout as a platform to yeah. get people involved with the movement. And it worked so, it was the most incredible. I admit I wasn't really part of Nuit Debout, but as someone coming in from the refugee side, we got material support. We got all the support from mm. people who were so willing to help. Uh, so, the, but amazing. that's interesting because Nudibu was really like. I, correct me if I'm wrong, but as I see it, a left youth political uh, yeah. campaign, whereas you were coming from it at a grassroots organizational level, yeah. were doing like very tangential stuff with maybe people who aren't necessarily under 25. No. So how did how did those two kind of interact? Was there did you find that there was like a community building? Did they feed into each other, um, or was it really like these are two distinct separate missions? I, I have to admit, it did it did feel very like two very separate uh, separate missions. There was uh, us who would always be on the ground, and then there were them who would come and support us. So there's this moment where um, there was an incident, and the police were going to start kettling one of the refugee camps, and we called out Nudebu, and 200 people showed up, and then the police had to leave. Okay. Um, because of filming and stuff like that. So, but that draws attention to something because you said about blankets and food and things, but you were yeah. also there to be witnesses. It was yeah. uh, to what? Can you tell me a bit more about that role of, of, yeah. of being um, being there as as citizens in France? Yeah, there was definitely a, a way in which we could position ourselves. As we had a passport, we were we spoke the language, um, and so we had a sort of capacity to talk to politicians and in a way that maybe the refugees didn't have because they were mostly ignored or they didn't speak the language Mm. or they weren't given the capacity to stand up to a politician when they would arrive Um, mostly because media and police would sort of separate them from them so no one actually had a discussion except us in the middle Mm. Um, so there's this definite thing of uh, just trying to spread the message yeah spread the message um, get politicians to understand get people to understand get people involved Mm. Um, so on the kind of like awareness raising level it was a very effective group I found it was very effective and I think even on the politician side and how they then conducted so evacuations from camps when they would finally be pressured to put uh, refugees in homes because when you arrive in Paris and you're a refugee the first step will be to sleep in the road and you don't know where to go claim asylum you don't know anything but because there are these sort of pressure groups that would keep filming what was happening getting the media involved making it really visible then they'd be sort of forced to do more and more evacuations this is over maybe you know a year but more and more evacuations would happen more faster um, they would be more careful because their new people were watching. It wasn't so they weren't so hidden in what they were doing. I think that's how uh, we were effective. It was to make politicians and the police and whoever is involved and social workers mm. 
understand and be more careful with what they were doing. Not Jonathan, so you've heard obviously yeah. what Fio just said and was talking about. So, so first, maybe if we look at what you were doing in a separate context, but it'd be interesting afterwards to kind of compare experiences and see how different your groups were and maybe also later compare your experiences, how it's changed you perhaps. But first of all, can you tell me a little bit about the group that you were, uh, you were in in Jersey? Yeah, definitely. And maybe where Jersey is for other <laughs> listeners who don't know. Okay, um, Jersey is a small island about 20 miles from the coast of France, so a really close proximity of France, about 100 miles away from England but we're part of the British Isles. I still don't fully understand how our government works compared to England, but uh, there you go. (laughs) Uh, And yeah, our group in its actions and its formation sounds very different to what um, Theo's group was. We started in September 2015 after a couple of members went to Calais, coming back from a trip to the European mainland and decided to call a meeting to see what Jersey could do, how the Jersey community could respond. Um, that coincided with the picture of Alan Kurdi washing up on the Turkish beach Um, so we got a huge response about 150 people came to this very what could have been a small meeting and it sort of snowballed from there we started collecting donations to with a view to take them over to Calais tents and clothes and food which was really successful we had to go through different warehouses and things filling each ones up and that in turn made us um become a charity because we did were you getting, register as a charity yeah we're a okay. registered charity mm. um because of all the money that we were getting mm. given we needed to be mm. accountable we all felt so it had these grassroots beginning beginnings and then it developed into a more structured more organized formalized i've yeah. noticed that uh, like part of the refugee solidarity movement did come out of these really unstructured grassroots things yeah. and the ones that have survived to now are the ones that did register as a charity and went through those formal procedures and yeah. they've managed to maintain themselves there's sometimes been a bit of a tension in the group of people who would maybe prefer it to be a bit more grassroots and less formalized um which mm. i think is a really valid point but also i think yeah we have lasted and June this year was our most um, successful month fundraising. So really? sustaining wow. sustaining that in the face of negative media has, mm. yeah, I think if we if we weren't a formalised, organised group, then and maybe that wouldn't have happened. In terms of maybe legitimacy, I remember obviously the Elan Kurdi photo and the groundswell that came about yeah. there, that that movement was really gathering and it yeah. does feel that now it's died down. So it's really surprising to hear you say mm. that now this has been your best month of fundraising. There, yeah, it's not to say there hasn't been lulls um, and frustrations within the group have been when the southern part of the camp in Calais was dismantled by the French authorities. People are s- still asking, oh, but the, the camp in Calais is not there anymore. They've taken it down. Mm. When in reality, it's, there's more people there now than ever. As, as well as delivering the aid, that's one of the key emphasis. What we try and put emphasis on is raising awareness about what it's actually like there. And the volunteers that go to Calais are encouraged and, and feel themselves that they want to bring stories back of mm. real people who are living in the camps. And yeah, we try to facilitate that as much as possible through Facebook and through our website and things. And other means from what you said, there's someone in your group who's actually a columnist. Yeah, Mm. yeah. One of our um, members writes a column for the local newspaper, which has been really effective. It's also stoked a lot of the opposition that has always been around what we've done personally i feel if if you're if you're stoking that aggressive opposition then you're almost doing something right if you're pushing Mm. those people's buttons then 
we're on the right track. It's interesting to hear you both speak like that because yeah, from your point of view, you're in Paris and there are loads loads of people and so there's not there's not a clear delineation like mm-hmm. that, but it seems like in Jersey there's you have to have an opinion because because there aren't a ton of people in Jersey and so you yeah. have to communicate with people and, and be sparked yeah. on this issue. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit more about who the people in the group were and how they got involved, how they thought it was a relevant thing to do? It's a really diverse range of people. You've got people you may expect to get involved in um, things like this, like we've got teachers and artists, but then also we've got people who work in the finance industry. We've got, yeah, a a whole range of people, and it's been really encouraging the amount of people that came out, especially in the initial stages when we were flooded with donations. We were, I think, can't speak for everyone, but I think we were all quite surprised on how... Um, how generous everyone was being and still the fact again repeating that we've sustained it up until now shows that there are some really dedicated people and a lot of people in the core committee have children have full-time jobs and they're still doing it and Jay Craig the Jersey Calais refugee group takes up a big part of your life Mm. but everyone is still very committed very dedicated did you see any impact on other people in Jersey? You know, there's like a group here and maybe other people on the sidelines were saying, you know, either I agree with yeah. this, I want to join or what was yeah. the kind of impact? The refugee crisis in general is a really polarising issue, I think, in the UK. I'm not sure what it's like in France. I imagine it's similar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Jersey as well is almost like a, um, it's under a magnifying glass because it's, it's a small society. It's quite a closed society surrounded mm-hmm. by the sea. So it has really divided opinion and it's brought out the very best in Jersey Islanders and we've seen some really quite a lot of hostility as well. Although, yeah, there's a there's a Facebook group called the I don't even want to publicise it, but it's basically it's it's not a very nice group who speak a lot about refugees. Why uh, why are people hostile? We get it a lot that they're economic migrants and not true refugees. There's countless arguments, I think, to to counter that. But also, it's fear. I mean, some of the comments, it's quite xenophobic, I think, in a way. And I think, yeah, maybe that Jersey is not very diverse a place and certain people can be, can be scared of that. We actually met while you were doing your master's. Can you tell me a little bit more about what your master's was about? Uh, yeah, so I've just completed a master's in applied human rights at the University of York. So, so this has all been happening. I started in September last year, um, right when Jersey Calais started. And my motivations for doing that was that I thought I've, I've always been interested in getting involved in the third sector and charity work and human rights are a really good foundation for that. And doing the two things at the same time have really sort of affirmed each other. I've been able to compare a lot of the studies that we've been doing um, during my master's with things that have happened in the group, not necessarily decisions that we've made, but just the way things have developed. Mm. And that's been really interesting. So what sort of things? Even simple things like group dynamics. I've been studying a lot about um, cultures of change and how, how you can potentially influence people's attitudes to certain things and um, grassroots education on human rights. And that's all things that have been a factor in what Jersey Calais have been trying to do. So I'm going to get to the comparative part here. I should probably do a little disclaimer, and I probably should have done this earlier on in the show, but I have also volunteered around the refugee crisis. And one of the things that I really loved about it was meeting all these people, which you both mentioned, these people who've come together over a single issue, but they're from completely different backgrounds, different lives to me, 
they've had a totally different experience they're coming at it from a totally different angle but we, because we've got this thing in common there's like a baseline that we can get on get along and we've got a single aim so it's it's been actually quite surprising for me so I was just wondering if you'd had this kind of um, experience around volunteering creating a, a community around the volunteers and you know obviously including volunteers who are refugees in that definitely I think in September it was snowballing so quickly that we all had to just go with it each other and you immediately just have a have one uh, sort of um, communal bond because of the beliefs and your urges for what you want to do but also you you have to trust each other in environments like that because you're working on serious issues and you're dealing in a really fast-paced environment so it naturally forms a trust between you mm. and um, and yeah a really tight bond what was your experience for that? I think one of the best things I experienced was really being sure that what I was what we were doing was you know it was supported by everyone so it's about not feeling silly when you're talking to your parents and they think you're a bit too idealistic or it's just really being around people who really believe the same thing that you believe who want to implement stuff who who want to have action is just so inspiring and it, it makes you I don't know it was just it was very inspiring for that for confirming what you believe and that you're not alone in but that because you're saying confirming what you believe but did either of your views change as a result of the volunteering and as a result of the people that you were hanging out with it's given me a confidence and it's sort of um maybe in, it sounds a bit wishy-washy but it's, it's confirmed things that are already there but maybe i can articulate before and having people to back you up and hold similar beliefs to you gives you a confidence to say well actually yeah what i believe is right and this is the way that things should be because i've got 2,000 people on Facebook who agree with me, you know, <laughs> in, in really simplistic terms. It, it's, it gives you a foundation for being able to make relevant arguments that I feel before my masters and before working with Jersey Calais, I wouldn't have been able to do. And what about you? I didn't say it earlier, but in the group, we sort of had a lot of refugees who'd actually gotten their sort of papers a year before and who spoke who were incredible at languages they knew about 13 languages it wow. was crazy That's a lot of languages <laughs> it was just they were amazing That's and I'm so impressive. bad at Spanish and I did 10 years of Spanish and so they were helping out all the time and they had a life to begin in France where they were given financial aid and now they could sort of really begin their life and instead they would spend until four in the morning trying to find a home for the 13 year old boy who'd arrived from Calais and who was exhausted translating for the for the French volunteers uh, so I learned a lot about volunteering at a sort of horizontal level and mm. learning a lot from other people and just a, a lot of kindness I just learned about kindness I think I have got so many more questions, but I actually have to wrap up the show now. I'm really grateful to both of you for coming on and sharing that. And that was a beautiful note to end on. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks to Freddie and Sarah, obviously, for, for, for engineering. Good evening from me. And uh, thanks again to everyone. What we've got now is Borders, which actually I'm playing not for the, well, obviously the content of the song is relevant, but really it's been an anthem around this like past year or so of volunteering. And it's been played, um, say, at protests. Um, and also at detention centres, uh, at protests there. So I just felt it was a really relevant song to play. So here we are, MIA Borders. <laughs>
wanted to give some direction to anyone who was inspired by the group. So could you tell me the link for your the website? Website of, of jcrag, www.jcragjcrag.org.je. So that's volunteering in Jersey. Yeah. Thank you so Thanks much. This much. is Borders again. Slaying their work.